Hey, Bulldog fans, welcome back to the Drake Basketball Podcast. Today, we're breaking down Drake's revenge on the Belmont Bruins and Saturday's matchup at UNI, who have revenge on their minds as well. But let's start with Belmont. The Bulldogs topped the Bruins 84-69 behind a highly efficient night from basically all five starters. Drake's starting lineup scored all but six points for the Bulldogs in this game, going off for 21, 18, 16, 14, and nine points respectively. Belmont kept things interesting until about 14 minutes left when they cut the lead to seven, but then Drake stepped on the gas and didn't let the lead fall below 10 again. Eduardo, Tucker DeVries won the Valley's Player of the Night poll on Twitter. Who was your MVP in this one? Oh, lots of MVPs, as you said. You can kind of take your pick with the starting lineup. Really, the starters did an incredible job uh, controlling this one. I will start with Kevin Overton. For me, he was the, the MVP of the night. Defensively, once again, frustrating Kate Tyson to no end. Uh, so this is back-to-back performances holding Kate Tyson under 10 points. And just for point of reference, Kate Tyson scores just under 17 a game for Belmont. Uh, so defensively, he was huge. And then offensively, he was just sniping away. Uh, finished the game with 16 points, three rebounds, and four of six from three. Drake just looks a lot different when Kevin Overton is scoring the ball like he is. Absolutely. Darren DeVries has crafted a pretty high scoring, versatile offense regardless. But when you have Kevin stepping into that sniper role from deep, it becomes so difficult to defend. It basically eliminates your option to double tuck because then you've got KO for an automatic three on the wing, Atten for a three on the wing, a dump down pass to Brody option, or you can always give the ball over to Connor, who shoots almost 50% from three as well. So it makes it really, really tough to double team one of the best players in the country. Yeah, the best part about, you know, this Drake surge, uh, you know, now it's seven of eight, five straight wins. The Drake offense is playing really well. Uh, I mean, just from an efficiency standpoint, moving the ball, the three ball is really coming alive for Drake. Uh, Once again, uh, shooting it really well from deep, 10 of 21 on the night. Yeah, just a really, really efficient night. And and like I said, I mean, if you're Belmont, you go into it thinking, Kate Tyson, you know, one of the best scorers in the conference. Hey, advantage Belmont, right? Not so fast on, on Kevin Overton's watch. You know, to have KO outscore him by eight on the night, uh, I thought that was huge. And Belmont's guards did a great job. Obviously, in the first matchup, we didn't have Jacoby Gillespie as suit up for the Bruins. He had a great night scoring 23, but it didn't really matter much in the end. And obviously, I feel like we need to get to the drastic difference between game one and game two with Malik Dia versus Brody. What did you see? Yeah, that battle was essentially reversed. Dia was unable to replicate the success he had in Nashville going just three for 10 from the field. He did knock down two threes at the beginning of the second half, but Drake was very good about how they defended him. Brody bit on pump fakes a few times from behind the arc, but I'd rather have him do that than just give up that flat-footed three. I'm fine with him doing that. You saw Coach DeVries put Ferguson in for stretches at time just to give 
idea, different looks, someone with a little bit more lateral quickness, not quite as much size inside, but they did a really good job of controlling Dia, I thought. And obviously we were able to draw fouls on him throughout the game as well. So he only played 16 minutes, which, yeah. I mean, anytime you've got Kelly self refing a game, you know, there are going to be some fouls called. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Malik Dia only shot three threes the entire night. And like you referenced, two of them were pretty much right at the start of the second half. So really good job of just not allowing him to even shoot it from deep. You know, that was obviously a point of emphasis. And if he's going to drive it, fine. We just couldn't have another Carl Anthony Towns performance from Malik Dia where he just drops 30 on us. Uh, so, yeah. The fouls, a lot of them kind of bad, to be honest. Dia really wasn't disciplined uh, on on the defensive end. And I think he picked up his fourth foul pretty early in the second half, you know, maybe like 12, 13 minutes left. And they just never went to him because Drake was already up 20, you know, by the time that they would have put him back into the game. So only 16 minutes, still managed to score 12 points, but only three of 10 shooting. So a completely different game. And I thought, you know, the biggest difference maker, just looking at the team as a whole, much better tempo, much better pace, really pushing the ball and being aggressive, a complete opposite from what we saw in Nashville. Yeah. And uh, the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs only had seven turnovers too which if you look back to last time they played Belmont was a drastic, drastic improvement. Uh, the first time around the Bulldogs turned the ball over 15 times. So they cut their turnovers by more than half. Yeah. It changes your whole offense changes when you can take care of the ball, when you're really driving it. Uh, we haven't talked about Adam Wright very much. We mentioned him in the last podcast, how he needed to be a difference maker and, and again, I mean, we go, we're going down the line with these performances and pretty much everyone on the starting lineup played drastically better than they did in Nashville, including Adden scoring 18 points, 7 of 11, 2 of 3 from 3. Efficiency was was the name of the game for Drake. I believe it was uh, Aaron Gurney's on Twitter uh, who pointed this out specifically about how they've been getting Adden Wright involved and I was kind of thinking the same thing. And it's almost like Drake is going to these like half isolations for Adam at times where they're kind of giving him the ball around 18, 20 feet, feet away from the basket, kind of halfway into the possession and just like, all right, Adam, go to work. So it's not really a full ISO. It's kind of more like an ISO with a little bit of movement as he goes into it. And that's a great observation from Aaron. I think at times, even though we said we weren't, I think at times we underestimated the impact of how new all these guys were to playing with each other. And I think that's evident now that you see how well they're playing together once they really understand everyone's game. Because it's like you said, we aren't just giving him the ball and saying, like, go to work. It's a little mini ISO in the context of the DeVries offense. And when he gets it in that short lane area and gets just a little bit of space where he can try to break a guy down off the dribble and he usually ends up doing a pump fake and hits a little fade or ducking under and drawing contact but it's not what you see tucker doing in terms of just breaking a guy down from the top of the key and going to work but he's got his little area of the court that he's given and uh it's been really effective for drake these past few games it's almost like the coaching staff drew like a little circle on the court for Adam and said, all right, this is where you operate. 
like this is where you go to your little mid range where you can turn the corner and attack and and honestly sometimes you know when a team is not that drake was playing poorly uh, obviously you know at 23 and 5 drake has had a pretty consistent season but there were stretches where they weren't playing as cohesively on offense and sometimes it's hard to put your your finger on it and it's easier to point it out once it actually looks how it looks right now. So it's easy to look at the offense right now and say, yes, that flows, there's cohesion, people know where they need to be, everyone understands what their role is. And at times throughout the season, yeah, it was sometimes not knowing how to incorporate Adden, you know, not knowing how to get how to unlock Kevin Overton's game. I'm gonna say this every podcast if I if I have to, but God, when Kevin Overton and Adam Wright get going in transition, it's a whole different beast because they're both just deadly running the floor and scoring the ball when, when Drake actually has a fast break opportunity. Okeo is a guaranteed bucket whenever he gets one-on-one coverage on a fast break. Yeah, it's game over. Like, you know he's getting to the rim. And it's just funny because, again, for context, this is a freshman. This is his first year of college basketball. And he gets the ball on a fast break. Like, all right, count these two points. Yeah, and he he really has been spoiling us this season. And and Drake obviously had the great freshman season from Tucker a couple years ago. Now we're being spoiled with Kevin Overton because it's to have a freshman be able to take out the other team's best scorer and then still have the legs, the energy, the capability to still score 15, 16 on his own. Uh, it's such a luxury, especially when you have already guys of the caliber of Tucker and Adden on the team. Yeah. And as much as I'd like to say our basketball knowledge makes us the only people noticing this, we are far from the only people and certainly not the only coaches in college noticing how good Kevin Overton is at basketball. So on a completely unrelated note, it's always a good time to donate to the Do Great Collective. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that uh, that KO might be starting to get some uh, some better offers elsewhere? Not better, because you're not going to find a better coach than Darren DeVries. All I'm saying is that there are some coaches who aren't as adept at identifying talent who would rather throw money around to make up for it. Yeah. Yeah, a, a terrific performance once again from Drake, a 15-point win following a 22-point loss to them just a month ago in Nashville. We knew it was going to be better. Uh, we knew that Drake was going to take it a little bit more personally, and and that's a nice win for Drake. And now three regular season games remaining, still tied for first in the Valley. Yeah, great spot to be in. You know, if you would have told us two weeks ago that we'd be in this position, we'd take it in a heartbeat because it wasn't so long ago that we were two games back and Indiana State had the much easier schedule ahead of them. And and Belmont had won four in a row coming into it, present some matchup nightmares at times for Drake. So Bulldogs did a good job of taking care of business. And and like you said, you know, things have really changed the past couple of weeks. Uh, Drake's at-large hopes continue to get better by the game. Uh, really crucial that we finish out this stretch strong. And uh, do you, I mean, do you want to get into you and I? Because that's what's up next and and probably Drake's toughest road matchup remaining on the schedule. Are you sure it's you and I? Because it's Northern Iowa. So the N would come before, right? So it's NIU maybe? <laughs> it's a good point. 
we should northern? Get, we should get the intern to check on that. We'll just call him Northern to be safe, because you know we we don't want to offend anyone. No, we but, never want to do uh, that. <laughs> yeah. Next up, the Bulldogs travel to UNI for a game in the McLeod Center this Saturday. In game one, UNI's second leading scorer and starting point guard Bowen Bourne was out sick. So much like game one against Evansville, the past outcome may not have much to do with this one. But unlike Evansville, the Panthers have not been drastically better with Bourne back in the lineup. They've been an up and down team all season long. Bourne has been banged up, according to some UNI fans. For a point of reference, in the last seven games since our matchup in Des Moines, UNI are three and four with losses to Bradley, Murray State, UIC, and Illinois State, and wins over Missouri State, Valpo, and Bradley. So they're an extremely up and down team right now. And that's the trend. When you're a good team, you manage to play good basketball consistently. And when you look at you and I, they're just only able to piece that together for a couple game stretches, you know, 15 and 13 on the season, nine and eight in the conference. And like you said, it's been very up and down, kind of went on a run there before they played Drake in Des Moines. And then after that, you know, they've kind of tailed off a little bit. But again, you know, which you and I are we going to get? Is it going to be the team that just beat Bradley at home? Or is it going to be the one that lost by eight to Illinois State? And and to be honest, you're right that you and I looks a lot different with Bowen Bourne in the lineup. And that'll be very, very different than, than what the matchup was in Des Moines. But I got to be honest when I say that I had not noticed how bad of a season Bowen Bourne is having. You mentioned he he's been injured, missed a couple games. So you obviously want to you need to point that out because you know he might not be playing a hundred percent, but he's been having a really bad season. Bowen Bourne, we can all agree, can sometimes be a little bit inefficient at times, but just across the board, shooting just thirty nine percent from the field, thirty one percent from three, scoring down almost five points from from last season. So. It's not been a good season. And of course, as I'm saying this, like I know that Bowen Bourne is going to score 30 points on us on Saturday and we'll still probably figure out a way to win. But it's I was surprised at how and at how bad Bowen Bourne has been this season. I mean, Panther fans will tell you that he's been banged up specifically. I don't know what's wrong with him, but I mean, he's still starting for them. He's scored 31 against Toledo. He scored 27 against Indiana State, so he's still very capable of scoring in bunches, and we all know how Drake has struggled guarding extremely quick guards who can shoot from distance. So I very much expect to see him coming out full of zip, ready to uh, put up a boatload of points against the Bulldogs. Yeah, because that's that's just how it turns out for us always when you get some of these guards on a slump it happened happened with Austin Mason with Missouri State so I don't even think that me saying this is any kind of a jinx because it's already going to happen that of course after not having a great season overall he'll have a great game against Drake on the flip side Nate Heisey is having a very good season for you and I kind of the opposite of Bowen Bourne in terms of the efficiency shooting 47 percent 37% from three, a little under 14 a game. Uh, So he's been really good for them, really consistent. I'm curious to see how the bigs matchup turns out 
in in game two. I thought in game one, Brody did a pretty good job with Titan Anderson and Drake did a pretty good job of containing their bigs overall. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very a very different game. I expect you and I, obviously as a rivalry game, to come out with a lot more focus and energy than they have in some of their other games and and they know what they're playing for at this point the four seed looks now a little bit unlikely um so you know trying to still lock up the five or six and then also obviously play spoiler to drake you know who wouldn't like to do that yeah what you and i's motivation in this game is is to make sure that drake does not have a chance for an at-large bid and for northern iowa that is more than enough motivation I fully expect them to have great crowd for this game. It's following a loss, so they're going to be coming out of the gate with high intensity. I expect Bowen Bourne to knock down his shots. Landon Wolf will be needlessly talking trash. The fans will be foaming at the mouth, ready to knock off those uppity private school people from the big city of Des Moines. So it's going to be an intense atmosphere. It always is at Northern Iowa. I do want to throw out this note. Right now, we're sort of talking broad strokes. If you do want a more comprehensive breakdown of UNI's roster and sort of their playing tendencies, you can check out our preview episode for game one. We're not going to cover that ground quite as intently as we did before because we respect our listening audience and understand that if you're listening to the Drake Basketball Podcast, you probably don't need to hear it twice. Right. So I was going to ask you, and I I swear I'm not trying to be funny. This is a a legitimate question. Is it six of seven or seven of eight that we've beaten you and I? Wow, Eduardo. I'm being serious. I I think it's six of seven, but I I can't remember if it was seven of eight after we beat them in Des Moines. Uh, I believe it was seven of eight after we beat them in Des Moines. So if we were to win this one, it would be eight of nine. I like the sound of that. I do, but... This is going to be, you know, the UNI game is always fun. That's one that before, you know, in years prior, we always knew it was going to be probably a loss. Thankfully, thanks to Coach DeBreeze, ever since he's come around, we're going into these feeling pretty good, feeling like we can actually win the game. And I expect Drake to be favored. I expect Drake to have a really good shot at winning. Um I didn't think we played well at all in the first matchup in Des Moines. And obviously that was without Bourne in the lineup. So I think we're going to play a lot better. And I think you and I is going to look a lot better on offense with Bourne back. But yeah, it's going to be fun. You and I is always fun. Rivalry games, that's that's what they're supposed to be. And Drake's at-large hopes, like I said, are getting better every game. So this would be a perfect time to get... What would that be? A quad, quad two or quad three um, win against you and I? Yeah, this is on the road, so I have no idea. Either but quad two or quad three. It's in the quad system, uh, so it's definitely going to be it, in quads one through four. It is an if official you, uh, game. It is an official game of NCAA basketball. We can guarantee that. And what that means is that it's either going to show up as a W or an L for the final result it's it's very much a binary sport so either we're going to win or we'll lose um if you just looked at the box score after the first game you might think that the first matchup was more of a blowout but even without born playing that game was a back and forth affair pretty much from the start and you and i actually led the entire second half until the 844 mark they were up one 
with five minutes left in the game. So the final 77 to 63 score is a bit misleading. Like that was a very tough game. Absolutely. No, that it was you and I played us really well. They kind of disrupted our flow on on offense and and really really I think looking back at that first game again Adam Wright I think he's kind of the key a lot of the times to making sure our offense is is really trending in the right direction he had a pretty bad first half and then bounced back in the second was more aggressive got to the line um, so I think that's what needs to change we need to make sure Adam is being is being fed the ball is engaged because in the first game really it was Tucker just catching fire in the first half and and that was kind of it offensively so that's great you know that's great that Tucker was in a flow and in a rhythm but we also need to get Connor and Adam going downhill because that's really what turned the game for Drake uh, the first time around well and since we're going to be getting some of those three-point looks against their pack line this is also the perfect chance for KO to step up his game because he played great D against Nate Heisey last game, but he did only score three points. And with the way that he's been playing lately, seeing these guys for a second game, I'd expect him to knock down a few more of those pressure valve threes, which as we know in UNI scoring is always a scarcity. So that can make a huge difference. Yeah, UNI is not a team that that makes a lot of threes. If you can win that battle, comfortably you know that that'll put you in a good position i believe they only hit about seven threes a game as a team um drake more around a little over nine and been they've been in double digits the past three games shooting from beyond the arc so that's always something that can be a big difference maker against you and i you know who's hitting the threes is it adden and and ko or is it born and heisey going off yeah, and also last game, Trey Campbell for UNI had arguably his best game of the season. He averages nine points, three rebounds, and he doubled both those up, scoring 18 points and pulling down six boards. So maybe he's one of those guys that steps up in the absence of the team leader, or maybe he's someone that's going to be able to duplicate that production and just likes playing against Drake. But uh, it'll be interesting to see the adjustments that Coach DeVries makes against him. Eduardo, I know we just talked about this last podcast, but in terms of fouling versus defending up three, if we're up three, 10 seconds left, and Bowen Bourne has the ball, having already tied two games against Drake with last second desperation, three-point heaves, does Darren DeVries foul or defend? He's going to defend it. You know, you know he will. <laughs> He, you know, he'll really shout out to Dan Campbell with the Detroit Lions. You know, he would stick to his guns and not change his approach. And actually, Coach DeBreeze is a big Lions fan. So there you go. Uh, per- perfect uh, metaphor to co- to compare his approach. But I would hope that we would at least double him and get the ball out of his hands. That would be my one suggestion. You know, fine, you don't want to foul, but send a double so that at least somebody else takes that shot. Yeah, I mean, the DeVries family, they're strong with the Lions franchise since his brother Jared was drafted by the Lions back in 99. You see Jared at every Arch Madness and a lot of big Drake home games starting the Let's Go Drake chants. So let's take that Lions mentality and uh, and beat the other cats this Saturday. There you go. Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. It used to be something that we would dread. And now, you know, let's go beat them again. Let's stay in first place take one step closer to a regular season championship and go out there and take down the Panthers. I like that. Go dogs. Go dogs.
Bye.